Finding God in the Music, Season 13, 80s edition. The artist for the sermon song this Sunday is Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood is an English multi-instrumentalist uh, rock musician. He could, he could play every instrument up here at a, at a very high level. He's very talented. Uh, he was in the Spencer Davis group, uh, Traffic, Blind Faith. But in the 80s, he launched his solo career, which was quite successful. In 1986, he brought out the album Back in the High Life. It was a triple platinum selling album, and it won three Grammys. It had three big hits on that album that were all over the radio in 1986, Back in the High Life Again, uh, The Finer Things. I love that song. The Finer Things in Life Keep Shining Through. And then uh, the third hit song was Higher Love. And that song uh, went to number one in the United States and also won the Grammy for Record of the Year in 1986. And so that's, that's the song I want to work with. That's the sermon and song today is Higher Love. The song starts off with these lyrics. Think about it. There must be higher love. Down in the heart or hidden in the stars above. Without it, life is wasted time. Look inside your heart. I'll look inside mine. Things look so bad everywhere in the whole world. What is fair? We walk blind and we try to see falling behind. And what could be? Bring me a higher love. Where's that higher love I keep thinking of? It's a good song. I can work with that really well. But we need to hear the song. So those of you that are online... Like open up another tab or whatever you do, dash over to wolc.com slash music videos. And it's just a lyric video. We've got, we hear the music, you see the lyrics, and uh, then we'll have the sermon. So here it is, Higher Love by Steve Winwood, 1986.
I want to dedicate uh, this sermon today to Gary Huffman. Uh, he passed into the presence of Jesus early this morning after a lengthy illness. Perry and I were at Gary's bedside last night. I just talked to him out of John 14 about how Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. Now Gary has arrived safely in the place that Jesus has prepared. And we continue to pray for Anne and Aubrey and Abram and the whole family that the grace and peace of the Holy Spirit would be upon them. Amen. Uh, I've known Gary for almost 50 years. We were in high school together. I, you know, played softball together, basketball, all kinds of things. I've known Gary most of my life, and so I love him dearly. And so I want to I just preach this sermon in, in memory of my friend Gary Huffman. Now, this song, Higher Love, it's a yearning for something that the songwriter, becoming a poet, almost a prophet, intuitively knows must be there. The song starts out, think about it. I, I, like, I like a song that would start off like that. Think about it. Think about it. There must be higher love. Where's that higher love I keep thinking of? That's the essence of the song. Think about it. There must be higher love. Where is that higher love that I keep thinking of? Well, that's, a, that's about as good a question as you can ask of a pop song. Right? I mean, that's about as good a question as you can expect a song to ask. And here's Paul the Apostle's prayer for those who ask this good question. Ephesians 3, 18. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. St. Paul confirms Steve Winwood's suspicion that there must be a higher love. That is, a love that is higher than mere physical attraction. I mean, that's part of life, that's part of being human, that's wonderful, but there must be something higher than that. There must be a, a love that's higher than just the desire for the things we like i love pizza i love rock and roll okay but there must be something higher a love that's higher than that because as the song says without a higher love life is wasted time that's a good insight that if you don't live your life according to a higher love you're wasting your life because life is not a game. Life is a gift. The purpose of life is not to win, but to learn to love well. If you're not learning to love well, you're wasting your life. So the great apostle prays for Steve Winwood and for all of us that we may know the brain, the breadth, the length, the height. There it is, a higher love. The depth of the love of God revealed in Christ. He prays that we might know this. The breadth, length, height, depth of the love of God. 
Um, but then he says something very interesting. He says, but this, this love surpasses knowledge. I pray that you would know it, but it surpasses knowledge. That is, we don't know the love of God, the higher love, by cognition. We don't know the love of God the same way we know that 2 plus 2 is 4 and that in 1492, Columbus sailed the Asian ocean blue. We know the love of God not in the head but in the heart through revelation. And, and we come to know in the heart, I am loved by God infinitely. This is what Paul prays that we would know. And as our hearts are filled with the revelation of God's love, he says we are filled with the very fullness of God. That's, that seems to be profound to me. It seems to me that, that Paul is on to something here that might be pretty significant. That to know the fullness of God's love is to be filled with the fullness of God. That, that when you begin to be filled up with a revelation in your heart of the love of God, you are being filled with the fullness of God. Because God is full of love. All right, let's talk about the Bible. The Bible is a long and meandering river that occasionally cuts back on itself, creating oxbow lakes of archaic thought that are no longer in the flow of the river. But if we stay in the river of Scripture, if we stay in the flow of the river of Scripture, we eventually arrive at the ocean of God's infinite love. I'll say that again. I'm talking about the Bible. What is the Bible? Well, there's a lot of ways to talk about it. Think about it like this. The Bible is a long and me. It doesn't go straight. It's a long and meandering river that occasionally cuts back on itself, creating oxbow lakes of archaic thought that are no longer in the flow of the river. But if we will stay in the flow of the river of Scripture, eventually it will bring us to the ocean of God's infinite love. The main channel of Scripture never ceases to flow. There is a flow from Genesis to Revelation, the main channel, and it never ceases to flow. Now, now there are oxbow lakes that, that no longer flow. They, they've got out of the main flow. You say, what are these oxbow lakes? Well, things like don't eat shellfish. Things like how to treat your slave. Things like who to kill in God's name. Those don't really capture the main flow of Scripture. But there is a main flow. And the main flow is the channel of love. So Jesus on one occasion was asked by Scripture scholars. Men that had spent their whole lives studying the Scriptures. What we would call the Old Testament. And they said, well, what's, what's the most important thing? I mean, what's the, what's the thing? What's the most important thing? You have all of this rather enormous text. What's the most important thing? And Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment, thou shalt not eat shrimp. No, that's not what he says. That's not what he says. That's not what he says. He says, okay, you want me to sum up? You want me to sum up Scripture? 
love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And I'll tell you, there's something that's number two, that's second, and it's related to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is clearly Jesus saying that all Scripture is not the same. He's saying the main flow, the main channel is about love. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then finally, Jesus says something that's not in the text, not in the Old Testament. But Jesus is the Word of God, amen. And he pushes love to the extreme. So he says, love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself and love your enemy. Bless your enemy. Don't hate your enemy. Pray for your enemy. Love your enemy. So the biblical test case for love of God is love of neighbor. The biblical test case of love of neighbor is love of enemy. Steve Winwood says there must be a higher love. Where is that higher love I keep thinking of? There is a higher love and a deeper love and a wider love and a longer love. That's, that's what Paul says in this passage, that we would know the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of God in Christ that surpasses knowledge. So there is a higher love and a deeper love and a wider love and a longer love. How, how, how high is God's love? It reaches to heaven. How deep is God's love? It'll, it'll reach down into hell. Though I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. How wide is God's love? It embraces the entire universe. How long is God's love? It's forever, baby. It's, it's eternal. It never ends. And all the best parts of the Bible are about love. By the way, there are best parts of the Bible. I think word of lifers know this by now. Somebody says, well, you're cherry-picking the Bible. I, say, I sure am. And you are too. It's just some people are terrible at it. They're picking all the worst parts. Let Jesus teach you how to pick the best parts of the Bible. And all the best parts of the Bible are about love. Like, like you know, Jesus says, this is a great one. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this. Then one lay down his life for his friends. What is this? This is the picture of a love supreme. This is Jesus embodying the fullness of the love of God, laying his life down for his friends so he can go do this and say, I got you. And save them. This cross, this is where the sin of the world meets the love of God. It's where the sin of the world becomes one thing. Now think about the vastness of the sin of the world. How many sins have been committed and how deep they can be and how grievous and how harmful, how horrendous all the sin of the world can be. But I want to tell you something. All of the sin of the world is as a single drop of ink in the vastness of the Pacific Ocean of God's love. God's love the sin of the world is this much threat to God's love. It's a single drop of ink 
in the Pacific Ocean. What happens to sin? It's lost in the ocean of God's love. Think about how the Apostle Paul talks about love. The Apostle Paul talks about love in the most boundless terms. Paul says, uh, Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he means nothing. And he says, I mean nothing. I mean, I am convinced, he says. Paul says, I'm convinced. I've thought about this. I've prayed about this. And I'm convinced that nothing, neither life nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor, think, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, Paul says, I'm thinking about it, and I'm convinced. Can life, something that happens in life, or death separate us from the love of God? No. What about angels, principalities, powers? Can they separate us from the love of God? No. What about the things that are going on right now, present? Can they separate us from the love of God? No. What about something in the future? Something unanticipated in the future. Can it separate us from the love of God? Paul says, no. Neither height nor depth, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that love never ends. He says a prophecy will end. Knowledge will end. You can get to the end of knowledge. You'll never get to the end of God's love. Eternity will not be a, an eternal expo, exploration of knowledge, but it will be an eternal exploration of the love of God that never ends. Paul says that there is nothing greater than love. He says, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love, but you know what the greatest of all is. The greatest is love. And it's the aged apostle John who follows the flow of Scripture all the way to the sea. And what's the name of the ocean that the river of Scripture empties into? Let's give it a Latin name. Deus caritas est. Deus caritas est. That's the ocean. Deus caritas est. God is love. That's what it means. God is love. There is a flow of Scripture that finally empties into the revelation that God is love. John says it in his first epistle in the fourth chapter, and then he says it again so you don't miss it, that God is love. So stay in the main flow of Scripture. Don't get stuck in some oxbow lake. Don't use the Bible to be mean to people. You don't see people do that. They're not in the flow. I mean, yes, you can find verses that you can use in a mean way to insult other people, to condemn other people. Yeah, I know those are there. They're called oxbow lakes. They were, you know, they're there in the text, but the flow, the real flow of the main channel, which is love, is not there. Don't go live there. 
stay in the main flow of Scripture until it brings you and empties you out into the infinite ocean of God's love. The knowledge of God's love begins and ends in love. Love alone is credible, Hans Urs von Balthasar says. Nothing else can be believed, nothing else should be believed. Sergius Bogolkov says that the world could not fail to be created because God is love and it is proper for love to love and to expand in love. I say it like this. Why is there something instead of nothing? Because in the beginning God said, let there be. But why does God bother to say, let there be? Because God is love seeking expression. So, what is light? It's the love of God in the form of photons. What is water? It's a liquid expression of the love of God. What is a tree? It's God's love growing up out of the ground. What is a mountain? God's love in granite so much older than human sorrow. What is a bull moose but God's love sporting spectacular antlers? What is a blue whale? It's 50 tons of God's love swimming in the ocean. Now, freedom allows for many other things, too. Everything from cancer cells to atomic bombs. But love alone is that which never ends. There will be a time when disease comes to an end and war comes to an end, but there will never be a time when God's love comes to an end. God is the fountainhead of eternal love, and God is the ocean of infinite love. God is, God is love pouring into love infinitely. And all creation is being swept along in the flow of God's love. Now, I know there are creatures of free will that foolishly try to swim against the stream of God's love. I know that. But my prayer and my hope is that eventually they will tire and in the end arrive in God's ocean of love. So as long as your theology flows in the direction of love, you will be in the truth. As long as your life grows in the direction of love, you will be in the way of holiness. And as long as your hope holds on to the love of God, you will never be disappointed. Because hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that by the Holy Spirit, a revelation of your love would flow into every heart that's in this place with us and in this moment online with us, I pray the Holy Spirit would expand the revelation of love in the hearts of all hearers today and they would know, oh, it's so high it reaches to heaven. It's so deep I can never sink to a depth that the love of God would not come and find me and search me out. It's so wide it encompasses everybody. I don't have to shut anybody out of the love of God. That would be foolish. And how long is it? It never ends. It goes on forever and ever. Lord, I pray that you would reveal this higher love, this deeper love, this wider love, this eternal love 
to us today in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Stand up with me. We're going to come to the table of the Lord. You know, it has a lot of names. It's called uh, communion because here's where we commune with the body and blood of Christ. We participate. We have koinonia with the body and blood of Christ through the bread and the wine. It's called the Lord's Supper because it's inaugurated by the Lord in the upper room in the night before his suffering. It's called Eucharist, which is just a word that means thanksgiving because it's here we come and we give thanks to God for the gift of Jesus Christ. It's also called the love feast. And so today I invite you, everybody, everybody to come. Everybody to come and to feast upon the love of God as Jesus offers himself to you. His body, his blood, as the ultimate love offering that you might be incorporated into Christ, into God, that you might be swallowed up in the ocean of God's love. Amen? Join with me in confessing our Christian faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now join me in the prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we've sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And God is merciful to all who confess their sins and in humility ask for mercy. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven.